Section 21 of The Fair Maid of Perth or St. Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Fair Maid of Perth or St. Valentine's Day by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 18 a purple land where law secures not life byron the morning of ash wednesday arose pale and bleak as usual at this season in scotland where the worst and most inclement weather often occurs in the early spring months it was a severe day of frost and the citizens had to sleep away the consequences of the preceding holiday's debauchery the sun had therefore risen for an hour above the horizon before there was any general appearance of life among the inhabitants of perth so that it was some time after daybreak when a citizen going early to mass saw the body of the luckless oliver proudfoot lying on its face across the kennel in the manner in which he had fallen under the blow as our readers will easily imagine of anthony bonthron the boy of the belt that is the executioner of the pleasure of john of remorny this early citizen was alan griffin so termed because he was master of the griffin inn and the alarm which he raised soon brought together first straggling neighbors and by and by a concourse of citizens at first from the circumstance of the well-known buff coat and the crimson feather in the headpiece the noise arose that it was the stout smith that lay there slain this false rumour continued for some time for the host of the griffin who himself had been a magistrate would not permit the body to be touched or stirred till bailey cragdally arrived so that the face was not seen this concerns the fair city my friends he said and if it is the stout smith of the wind who lies here the man lives not in perth who will not risk land and life to avenge him look you the villains have struck him down behind his back for there is not a man within ten scotch miles of perth gentle or simple highland or lowland that would have met him face to face with such evil purpose o oh, brave men of perth the flower of your manhood has been cut down and that by a base and treacherous hand a wild cry of fury arose from the people who were fast assembling we will take him on our shoulders said a strong butcher we will carry him to the king's presence at the dominican convent ay ay answered a blacksmith neither bolt nor bar shall keep us from the king neither monk nor mass shall break our purpose a better armourer never laid hammer on anvil to the dominicans to the dominicans shouted the assembled people bethink you burghers said another citizen our king is a good king and loves us like his children it is the douglas and the duke of albany that will not let good king robert hear the distresses of his people are we to be slain in our own streets for the king's softness of heart said the butcher the bruce did otherwise if the king will not keep us we will keep ourselves ring the bells backward every bell of them that is made of metal cry and spare not st johnston's hunt is up ay cried another citizen and let us to the holds of albany and the douglas and burn them to the ground 
let the fires tell far and near that perth knew how to avenge her stout henry gow he has fought a score of times for the fair city's right let us show we can once to avenge his wrong halley ho brave citizens st johnston's hunt is up this cry the well-known rallying word amongst the inhabitants of perth and seldom heard but on occasions of general uproar was echoed from voice to voice and one or two neighbouring steeples of which the enraged citizens possessed themselves either by consent of the priests or in spite of their opposition began to ring out the ominous alarm notes in which as the ordinary succession of the chimes was reversed the bells were said to be rung backward. Still, as the crowd thickened, and a roar waxed more universal and louder, Alan Griffin, a burly man with a deep voice, and well respected among high and low, kept his station as he bestrode the corpse, and called loudly to the multitude to keep back and wait the arrival of the magistrates. We must proceed by order in this matter, my masters. We must have our magistrates at our head. They are duly chosen and elected in our town hall, good men and true everyone. We will not be called rioters or idle perpetrators of the king's peace. Stand you still and make room, for yonder comes Ballycraig Daly, I, and honest Simon Glover, to whom the fair city is so much bounden. Alas, alas, my kind townsman, his beautiful daughter was a bride yesternight. This morning the fair maid of Perth is a widow before she has been a wife. This new theme of sympathy increased the rage and sorrow of the crowd the more, as many women now mingled with them, who echoed back the alarm cry to the men. Ay, ay, St. Johnston's hunt is up, for the fair maid of Perth and the brave Henry Gow, up! up every one of you spare not for your skin cutting to the stables to the stables when the horse is gone the man-at-arms is useless cut off the grooms and yeomen lame maim and stab the horses kill the base squires and pages let these proud knights meet us on their feet if they dare they dare not they dare not answered the men their strength is their horses and armour and yet the haughty and ungrateful villains have slain a man whose skill as an armourer was never matched in milan or venice to arms to arms brave burghers st johnston's hunt is up amid this clamour the magistrates and superior class of inhabitants with difficulty obtained room to examine the body having with them the town clerk to take an official protocol or as it is still called a precognition of the condition in which it was found to these delays the multitude submitted with a patience and order which strongly marked the national character of a people whose resentment has always been the more deeply dangerous that they will without relaxing their determination of vengeance submit with patience to all delays which are necessary to ensure its attainment the multitude therefore received their magistrates with a loud cry in which the thirst of revenge was announced together with the deferential welcome to the patrons by whose direction they expected to obtain it in right and legal fashion 
while these accents of welcome still rung above the crowd who now filled the whole adjacent streets receiving and circulating a thousand varying reports the fathers of the city caused the body to be raised and more closely examined when it was instantly perceived and the truth publicly announced that not the armour of the wind so highly and according to the esteemed qualities of the time so justly popular among his fellow-citizens but a man of far less general estimation though not without his own value in society lay murdered before them the brisk bonnet-maker oliver proudfoot the resentment of the people had so much turned upon the general opinion that their frank and brave champion henry gow was the slaughtered person that the contradiction of the report served to cool the general fury although if poor oliver had been recognized at first there is little doubt that the cry of vengeance would have been as unanimous though not probably so furious as in the case of henry wind the first circulation of the unexpected intelligence even excited a smile among the crowd so near are the confines of the ludicrous to those of the terrible the murderers have without doubt taken him for henry smith said griffin which must have been a great comfort to him in the circumstances but the arrival of other persons on the scene soon restored its deeply tragic character End of section 21